Welcome back for another week. Our learning is dedicated to Lunish Nusan Rivka Bad Yaakov Alevi, whose yard site is this coming Shabbos, Usi Maya and Rina D. Our full year sponsors, Naomi and Hallander for a complete refuel for all Cholim, Michelle and Gary Friedman in memory of Hannah Malka Bas David and Rufua Shlema for Rachel Miral Hinda Bas Miriam Rivka. Uh, our half-year sponsor, anonymously, Rufus Lehmer from Menucha Tova, Batshoshana Chava Devora. Spotify is sponsored for the year, Rufus Lehmer for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael. And then we have a Rufus Lehmer for Yitzhak Yechaim Ben Avir of Gachaya, Bracha Bigal Basach, Kita, Tila, Batia, Batchaya Tova, Shimon, and Elka, Shalom, and Sarah, and Shadokim for all those in need. Each, each week, I wonder and I hope, can it get any better? Can we possibly have a topic that's slightly more uplifting? And the answer is sadly no. Um, we The next three weeks, which is the story of Pilagesh Begiva, it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, I found a great quote. Apparently, rock bottom has a basement. That really is um, the feeling you get in these stories that we're learning. So over the next three prokim, let's look carefully for echoes of other stories in Tanakh, and that perhaps is the key to understanding our story more fully. Um, it's a little bit unconventional, but I want to take a look at the map before we start, just to um, hopefully give us a better sense of the area we are dealing with. We'll, we'll return to the map later on as we learn to see it in practice. But we have all the way up north, north of Raman Giva. We have the area of Harafrayim, and that area is exactly where our story takes place. There is a man from Harafrayim. He's going to start and end the parak in that place. He goes to Beit Lechem, which is likely the area of Kever Rachel, Mazeh. And then there's reference to going to Yerushalayim. He does not go to Yerushalayim. We'll see that. And he goes to two, he has two options of going to two other areas as well. Giva or Rama, and uh, the fateful decision to go to Giva obviously is going to not only shape the Perak and the Sefer, but perhaps it has a uh, a shape. It shapes, in a certain sense, the uh, trajectory of uh, history of Bnei Yisrael for quite some time. So that's the area we're looking at. Um, the area of Giva is uh, currently today Piskat Zev. So if you're familiar with that area of Yerushalayim, that is where it is. In fact, that little nook of Yerushalayim has some rich Tanakh history, not only to the story of Giva, which is a terribly depressing story, but Yirmiyahu is from Anatot, um, and that area is not terribly far from there. It's all pretty quickly. Um, and you can actually get to the area of Neve Samuel, which is where uh, Shmuel Navi may or may not have been buried. It's about a 15-minute drive um, along some back roads that go through some Arab villages. Also, it's a little bit to the west of there. So cradled in that area actually is quite a bit of, uh, of the Tanakh that we're learning uh, in the coming weeks. Um, and the coming months. So what happens? We start with the very first Pasuk, obviously, Parakutet. And the question I want to I try to figure out today is, who is the villain? Who's the villain in our story? And I think that that's an important question that we have to try to grapple with a little bit. So Pasuk starts off, this refrain is actually familiar to us already. It's the third time we're being told this. And it is in these days that there is no king on the Jewish people. Why does that matter? Because you can't have a story like this 
without having a, uh, a without having a lack of leadership. There's a little bit of anarchy that exists to allow something like this to happen. And we, we have a man from Levi, Garbi he lives in Harafraim. He takes a Pilegish, a concubine. A concubine is a not full wife, meaning she is not obligated. He doesn't have the same obligations towards her. He does not have to pay her exuba in the event that he decides to dissolve the marriage. And so he, she really is a step above a servant. She's not really much more than that. She has very little protection. Why would a person want to put themselves or their child in the position of being a Pelagish? It could be that economics, we'll see, plays a part in it. If you're a poor person and you're, you're, your only prospect of marrying off your daughter is having her as a Pelagish, better perhaps in those days to be a Pelagish by a rich person than to be stuck at home and have no prospect of marriage at all. So we have a Levi from Har Ephraim, and we have a Pilegesh from Beit Lechem, and they, they marry. Interestingly, the Levi that we have once upon a time in the story of Pesel Micha, so where does he start? He starts off in Beit Lechem, and he ends up going up to Har Ephraim. So there's a little bit of a reversal there. Pasuk Bet, but he's now Lav Pilak show. Uh, so we obviously the the three words in yellow red are the ones that matter, but he's not love pilag show. But let's let's hold off on that for a minute. His pilagish did something that's led astray or something along those lines, and she goes back to her father's house in Beit Lechem Yuda, and she's there. Yamim There's two ways to read that. She's there for. A bunch of a bunch of time, kama arba achadashim, or perhaps you could read it vatisham yamim. She's there for a year plus arba achadashim, which would put her there for sixteen months. She's gone for a while, four to sixteen months, and she's by her father's house. What exactly did she do? And really, the other question is, what's with all these levim? When you look at Perigudzayudzayinuchet and now Yutet Chaf and Chaf Aleph, it seems to be that this Levi personality is that the is somehow in the heart of all this stuff. And they're not coming across as terribly impressive people. What's with all the Levium? Unfortunately, I don't have a good answer, but one has to imagine that that does represent, to a certain extent, the corruption, the corruption of the system, the Levium, that they're no longer doing what they're supposed to do, which is to be the inspirations for Kalal Yisrael. And that probably has its... Uh, its problems both on the the Levite level for them as a people, but certainly it should have a it should have repercussions to the Jewish people as well. But the question I really want to focus in, and this we do have answers to, is what did she do wrong? But he's now love pilak show. She she strayed from him. So but he's now comes from the word zona znut. Okay. So one possibility would be that she actually committed adultery, and then she runs away. It's not such a great answer. It's not a great read for two reasons. First of all, then why is Batizna love that she did it on him? It would be you just have to say Batizna Pilag show, and obviously it would be against him. That's number one. And number two, we're going to see in the very next pasuk is that he goes to try to bring her back. If she had committed adultery, why would he go to get her back? You would have to kind of say like, 
That's it. Move on. And especially since she's a Pelegish, he's not even beholden to her. So what does he care? He gains nothing from holding on to her. He doesn't need, it's not like, oh, if I, if I divorce her now, maybe if the, if the adultery isn't confirmed with witnesses, I'm going to be obligated in the Ksuba. No, she'd be, he'd be able to walk away from it with no penalties whatsoever. What did she do wrong? So I struggled to how to address this. Um, for the whole week, which is why it's Sunday morning and uh, I'm recording, um, because I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to address the Gemara and Gittin or not. I spoke to uh, my dear Chavrusa, I asked him, and he said I should steer clear of it. Um, but I think that it does add to the story, so we're going to touch on it just a little bit. But the first possibility is um, that she just left, meaning she went astray from him. There was something about him that bothered her, and she goes from there to her father's house. So that's why it's Allah on him. This is not an issue that she has with another man, but rather she just says, I don't want to be with this guy. She goes back to her father's house. So the Gemara in Gittin offers two possibilities. Rav Yasser says that she found a, he found a fly in his food. He found a bug in his food. Imagine you're eating a delicious dinner and you find in it a bug. You find in it a fly, a dead one. So it's disgusting. So that's one possibility. That he found a hair on her. So Rav Yigal Ariel has a fascinating footnote, and this is what he says. This is not real znos that we're talking about. So the Gemara offers two possibilities. One is that she is lax in the preparation of food. And so she, rather than carefully checking before it goes in the oven to make sure that there's nothing um, that would be disgusting in the food. So what happens? She She's not. She's lax in that. The other possibility is that hygienically, she is not um, on top of it. And therefore, he either way, he's upset. Chachamim tzirfu gamet ribono shel olam lemachlekotam ubeshamayim chazru al devrehem. And Chazal pl- plays God in this as well. God is a partner in the creation of the world. Just as God has the ability, this is the Maharal, just as God has the ability to build the world, God has the world, the ability to destroy the world. And he uses the story, this Pilegesh, as a way of destroying the world. And he says, which I don't fully understand, is that it's a question of whether it is a physical piece that, that comes, a defect that comes to destroy the world, or it is it is it a um oh, I maybe I read it wrong. No, I'm I'm a at the nefesh. Is it something internal? Um and that is um what we what we're talking about. Okay. Um so fine. So this is the this is the 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 possibility. But all of these things, let's just think about it for a moment. Let's say 
the woman is a bad cook. She's not careful and she lets a fly into the food. So that's frustrating. But is that a reason to get so angry that she wants to run away for 16 months? Okay, let's say she's not on top of her hygiene. She's not so uh, so careful with uh, keeping her, her body appropriately groomed for the times. Is that a reason for her to run away for 16 months? Neither of these things seem to correlate with reality. And so the Gemara goes on to say that this is actually proof that a person should not be excessively angry and create such fear in the home. Why? Because a person that does that could lead to such dire circumstances as the story of Pilegesh Begiva. Now, the thing about this story is, I think that it's important to understand why he got so upset, because we're looking for the villain in the story. And so at this point, we could say, okay, so he has a temper. But maybe it's more than this. If I really care and I really love the person that I'm married to, then if she messes up with something that's maybe not so big, then if my reaction is so over the top, it's a question of really how dedicated and devoted am I to that person. And perhaps that's really the the question that you have to ask as you're looking at this story is, how devoted is this man to his Pelagish? And so let's move on to try to understand the story a little bit more. Pasuk Gimel. Here we go. Pasuk Gimel. Vayakam Yishav So what happens? He glashiva. So he goes after her. It takes a while, but after four to 16 months, he's like, gee, I kind of miss my Pilegesh. So he goes to get her back. And he brings with him his young lad. And he brings a uh, a pair of donkeys. And he brings them to, or and she brings him to the house of her father. Says the Mitsuda's David. She sees him and brings her home. Which also you could you could wonder was she kind of sitting out there waiting, wondering hoping he's going to come and want me back. So he, she sees him, and she brings him to her father's house. What happens? He sees, the father of the girl sees him. He's so happy to see her. Says the Rabbah, why is he so happy to see her? What is it about her that about his appearance makes him so happy? Says the Rabbah, he's a very wealthy man. And because he's a very wealthy man, and he's a hush of person, the father feels a little bit of a sense of relief. Look, my daughter is okay. My daughter is going to be brought back into this well-off home, which again speaks to why she would have been taken as a Pelagish in the first place. The Mincha Ketana, of Moshe of Frankfurt, he offers the following. He says, that he, he holds the, uh, the, the son-in-law there for three days, and they eat, and they drink, and he sleeps there. Why for three days? The Mincha Ketana says he wants 
that the guy will be there for long enough so that people will know he's there. And because he's a Chashev guy, everybody will see, ah, he came back for her. It must be that his daughter, the Pilegesh, is actually not the reason why um, this marriage was put on hold for all this time. And uh, they'll see that his daughter was honest and did what she had to do. That's the Menchah Ketano. Rav Yigal Ariel, though, says there's a time for everything, as Shlomo Melech says, and he delayed by adding to these things by party after party after party, and so therefore he has a minor part in anything that's going to go wrong afterwards. Let's take a look at Pasuk So three days. Now, why three days? We've actually had three days many times in our almost 10 months of learning together. And in the generally, we say that three days means it's time for thought, it's time for reflection. He had a time to think. Who had a time to think? The Levi from Harifrayim, the father-in-law, the girl. They all had time to think, is this a union that we think should continue? It's the fourth day, and he says, no, let's go. He gets up early in the morning, he wants to leave. No, why don't you stay a little bit longer? So you have to have a good breakfast with a nice amount of bread, and then you'll go. I don't want to go first thing in the morning. You're not going to have a good breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So let's get a good breakfast in. They sit, and they eat the two of them together, and they drink. Interestingly, the girl's not there. It's really a meal of just the two of them. And they drink, which probably means that they drank intoxicating beverages. And says, listen, it's already, enough of the day has gone by. I want you to stay the night here. And everything will be good. And the man gets up to go. His uh, father-in-law presses him, pushes him, and he sleeps there. I believe the word there's a lot of connections, there's a lot of echoes to the story in stone. But I'm pretty sure that uh, that language is used there as well. It is the morning of the fifth day. We're now at probably Thursday morning. So he says, eat a good breakfast, fill your heart, and stay here until... Nitotayom says the uh, Das Mikra. What does Nitotayom mean? The sun starts and ends. Nitotayom Chatzot is when it's right in the the the, the middle of the sky. Nitotayom would be as it begins to lean towards the area that it's going to set in towards that direction. And Nitotayom until the day is already that way. and they eat. This time they don't drink; they just eat. He gets up to go. Him, the Pilegesh, and his Nar. 
Larov, listen, the day already has weakened Larov towards evening. The sun is already on its way to set. Linuna, in a Hanota Yom, Linpo, Vitavla, Vachavisha, Vishkamta, Macharo, Darkechem, Alachta, Loalecha. Wait till tomorrow and you will go back home to your tent. Now, if today is Yom Hamishi, it means that tomorrow is Friday. Even if they don't have a meal on Friday, it still means that you're running into uh, a shorter day. You you got to be home in time for Shabbos, and you have to cook your food and all that stuff. So, but he says, stay one more day, and then you go home. He refuses. He says, I'm not staying. Enough, okay? I stayed for day four. I didn't want to. It's day five. I'm leaving. And they get up, and they go. Now, before we finish this pasuk, I want to ask the following question. Why does the father-in-law keep him there for so long? Three days I get Mincha Ketana's answer. Maybe it's like a, a mini bit of, of Sheva Brachos. Okay, it's a remarriage maybe. That's it's only three days, not a full seven days. Why does the father keep him there for so long? And, I, and I'm curious which one you prefer. So the first possibility is the if the boy is is a well off Ishlevi, it's good for him. The longer this guy is in his house, the better he feels and the better his neighbors feel about him. This guy, he's gaining status by virtue of his guest. So that's one possibility. So he doesn't want to let him go. Second possibility is he loves his daughter. And because he loves his daughter, he doesn't want to let her go. He had the opportunity to have her there for t- some time, and now she has to go back. He doesn't want to say goodbye to her. It's not easy. When, when, when you marry off a child and they're, they're not in your house and then they come back, it's a great feeling when they're there. You don't necessarily want them to leave so quickly. So that's another possibility. And the third possibility is, and yes, you can buy this t-shirt, the I hate my son-in-law t-shirt. Maybe he hates his son-in-law. He doesn't trust the son-in-law at all. He doesn't want to send him back. Interestingly, that on day four, who eats? It's he, the two of them. Same thing with day five. Who is Shnehem? Maybe it is by both of them, him and the son-in-law. He's trying to get a, a flavor for the son-in-law, but he doesn't trust him at all. Which answer do you prefer? Well, one thing we know is it's clear that this Ishlevi, this son-in-law, has a temper. And his reaction to little things is sometimes magnified. And maybe it's the the girl that w- is really happy to see the guy. Maybe the the Avianara is not as happy. Now to say in he was happy to see him. Is it possible that you could read it by Smachli Krato? Is that the man was happy to see his father-in-law, not vice versa, perhaps? Maybe he's happy to see the reu- reuniting of the couple, but would prefer if they don't go back to Harafrayim, but settle in Beit Lechem. And certainly from the previous story, we see that Alevi, not being tied down to land, he does have the flexibility to relocate all possibilities. Which of these three answers do you prefer? So I, I think we don't have to answer that question, although feel free to send me your answer uh, during the week. But the real question I have is uh, let's how does this play into the story? So let's continue. What happens? So they're they're traveling. 
So they leave Beit Lechem, and they come here, you can see there, they come to the edge, the outskirts of Yavus, he, Yerushalayim, which is the city of Yerushalayim. The thing is, the city of Yerushalayim was not conquered yet. He's got his donkeys that are piled up high, and he has his pilagish with him as well. They're there by Yavus, and the day is Rad Me'od. What does that mean? It's what as David says, Hashem is Me'od. In Israel, the sun sets much quicker than in New York. The time between the sun setting and nightfall, sorry, the sun doesn't set faster, the time between nightfall, sunset and nightfall is much shorter. When the sun sets, it means that you don't have a lot of time left before it becomes dark. It's not so much the case in, in, in New York. You have more time there. So he knows that the day daylight is is uh, is running out. Says the young lad, says the nar, let's spend the night in the city of Yavus. We're here. Why do we have to go any further? No, it's too dangerous. I don't want to stay in a non-Jewish city. Why? I'm nervous what's going to happen to us there. I don't know. We have all of our wares. The donkeys are laden with all of our stuff. I have my pilagesh there. And uh, interestingly, the Malbim says, if if not for the pilagesh, she's listed last. Goes, oh, we have all the supplies we need. But my pilagesh, she's not one to rough it. And so the idea of pitching a tent and saying we're going to sleep outside for the night, it's not going to work for her. She doesn't want to sleep there. She wants to sleep in a real city. So we can't sleep out here. We need to find a place to stay. But the, but to stay in a non-Jewish city? Mm, I don't think so. It's interesting that the Pelagish is listed last in Pasuk Yud. Perhaps n- not like the Malvim. You can suggest that maybe it reveals a little bit of his, his feelings towards her. She's not that important. His concern is, I have my seven chamurim chabushim. I don't want to lose my donkeys and my supplies. We go into a city like that, we might be robbed blind. Oh, and yeah, by the way, the Pilagish also is a potential liability if we're there. She's a good-looking woman, and perhaps people will take to her, and that will be the end of us. Either way, that is the su- that's the suggestion by the Nar, and it's rejected. He says, We're in Jerusalem proper. The distance to Pisgat Ze'ev is not far. In fact, if you want to see where Pisgat Ze'ev is, if you're not really sure, if you're coming from the old city, which again is not far from, from this area at all, you're coming there on the highway. This is the Chizmat checkpoint, which if you go through, you could either go to Malay Adumim, or you could head up this way to the Binyamin region, and that's where you would take the 60 to get to cities like Shiloh and ultimately Shechem. That's all, that is the way he's going to have to go if he wants to get himself to uh, Harephraim. So that's what he says. And they get to Binyamin to give, to give right in time as the, uh, the sun sets and as it becomes night. Rabbi Michael Hatton points out, this story highlights the assumption that the non-Jew can't be trusted for hospitality or morality. will turn out to be quite the ironic assumption in just a moment as we see how the story plays itself out.
What happens? They come to Giva and the Vayasurasham. They're going around in circles there. And then they stay in the in the, the, the city square. But nobody wants to bring them home to their house. Not a one person offers them a place to stay. It's a terribly depressing scene. Let's compare this to the hospitality of the father-in-law. The father-in-law brings him in from his own money. He says, no, don't worry about it. I'll give you plenty. Anything you need, anything you want is all yours. Compared to the story of Rivka and Lavan, Rivka says, of course, you can come on in. And then, of course, the story that is most similar to the story of Sodom. Is there a hero in this story? Is there a villain in this story? Those are questions we still have to figure out. So what happens? There is an old man, and he comes out. What is that old man? Where is he from? Wow, he's a kindred spirit from Harafrayim. But he happens to have relocated and lived in Giva. The Baal Chesed isn't really local. But the people of the area were Benjaminites. They're from Binyamin. Perhaps the reason why he hits it off with the man from Harafrayim is maybe there's common ground between them. They're from the same place. Maybe they recognize each other's accents. Remember, we had that by the, the Levi that was from Beit Lechem. They were able to listen to his voice and said, hmm, you're not from this area. Again, that's another pathway. And maybe even they knew each other. He lifts up his eyes. also. He sees the uh, the angels from a distance. Where are you coming from and where are you going? Listen, what do you want from me? I came from Beit Lechem Yuda and I'm going to Har Ephraim and um, I, I need a place to stay. And I'm going to Beit Hashem along the way and nobody is offering me a place to stay. The Malbim suggests the following. Why does he give this long-winded answer? Lest they think that he's just a peddler going from city to city. He says, He says, also, listen, I'm I'm a local guy. I just have to get from here home. I'm on the way. And he says, and I'm going to Beit Hashem, not to Pesel Micha. I'm a God-fearing Jew. And Tevin Mimispo, we have lots of that for, for our animals. It's Rivka who says, Yesh Tevin Mispo. We have food and we have a place. And I have plenty to eat and, and drink. You will not lose by hosting us. We just need a place to lay down for the night. But we have all the provisions we need. Pasuk Chaf. He says, no, shalom to you. goes, but this is all on me. I want to pay for everything. I'm not taking, I'm not taking your provisions. I'm not taking your stuff. I want to be a true host. Don't stay in on the street. The Das Mikra says something unbelievable. He said that the this was a Knani custom. If a stranger came to this city, everybody saw them, they heard the story, and they left the stranger in this city square for the night. 
Why? Because it allowed everyone to do as they saw fit, as they pleased to that man. And that's why the, the Ish Zakein says, you can't stay in the city square. The people will take advantage of you. There's a Knani, an underlying Knani culture in this city. He brings into the house, he mixed food for the donkeys. They washed their feet. They eat and they drink. There's a sense of order here. First, the animals need to be fed. You need to wash off and get yourself ready and eat and drink. Their meal, a nice meal. And the people of the city, not all the people of the city, but some of the people of the city are men of Blial. They're Blial, without a yoke. They're ruffians. They're wicked people. They circle the house. And they're banging on the door. They say to the man, the, ho- the old man in the house, they say to him, let the- bring out the guy so we can get to know him. This story obviously is so reflective of the story of stone. They circle the house, many people of the city, and they ask for the guy to come out so that they could get to know him. What does that mean to get to know him? It's they want to sodomize him, says Rashi. The goal is they want to leave this man with a lasting impression of what it's like to be in their city. Ravigal points out, this is such a contrast, the father-in-law is so hospitable. And this is what it comes to, the city wants Now, brother, my brothers, don't do this. This man came under my protection. Luke says the same thing. Don't do something and nivala to this man. It sounds so ethical, but then he says, I have a virgin daughter, and he has his pilegesh. She's beautiful. Let me take them out to you. You could afflict them, you could torture them, you could rape them, whatever it is you want to do. Do what you want in your eyes. But don't do what you have in mind to this guy. Meaning, he's willing to say, I accept that you have this moment of lost passion, whatever it is, and you want to do something horrible to him. I get that. But what you want to do, the sodomy that you have in mind, is much, 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 much worse uh, to the man, and therefore I say do it to the girls instead. It's crazy. How could that be? A a parent's responsibility to their child, to their spouse, is to keep them safe. What I would do to protect my family at my own expense, and yet that's not what's going on here. They didn't want to listen. So what does the guy do? It's the man says, I, I, I have to do something. He takes his wife, the Pilega, she grabs her, and he throws her outside. And they, they have relations with her. And they sodomize her all night long. 
Ara Boker until the morning. And they send her home in the morning. There's a couple questions that we have to understand here. First off, is this really the same thing as the story of Sodom and Amorah? And the second thing is, why do they reject the offer of the man? Says the Abarbanel something beautiful. He says, really, the people didn't want to, they had to live with the guy, the old man. And the thought that they would do something so despicable to his daughter, it really doesn't work for them. They're really not okay with it. So when he comes out, they they kind of accept that this is not where it's going to go. But when when the man, who they're never going to have to see again, they think, he throws his, his wife out there, they're like, okay, fine. Says the Abarbanel, they see her. And she's gorgeous. And so by raping her all night, they get out whatever lust they need that they were going to direct towards this man, they get it out on her on her instead. Rav Yigal points out that the words of Ish, we have the exact same language back in Pasuk Dalid. Father, the father-in-law, brings her in, brings him in with chizuk from the heart proper, and he throws her out to the wolves. It's a terrible thing. The Radak adds in, He takes her out under duress to save his own skin. The Malvin, we have to take a look at this Malvin, which I, I kind of feel we're, we're, we're kind of running a little bit late on time. But this, this Malvin answer, asks and answers a, a great question. He says, What is the difference between this, the, the story of Giva and the story of Stone? God brings down Gafrit Va'esh. Stone is destroyed. It's the most beautiful city in such a beautiful area in Israel, and it's turned to desert and brim fire and brimstone. God doesn't do anything to them. Says the Malam, I'll tell you why. Because there is a difference between a Rasha and a Chote. This, the, this, the, the people of Sodom, they were wicked, they sinned intellectually. They created a set of laws in their city. Chukim, statues. There was no logic to them. And they made these just laws. And they, they made the punishment so severe by their law. Their laws were so corrupt. It was such a morally bankrupt society. That is where stone is. Their sin was not intellectual. They didn't have laws that were corrupt. They were lustful people. They were cheap. The fact that they wanted to sodomize them was because 
they their their passions got the best of them. The is that the proof of this is Lodi Khnis Alchim the Satar. Lot says to them, come in, but quietly. They go surna in a all kind of twisted way, so nobody would know where they're coming from. They were afraid of the law. They said we'd rather sleep in the in the in the city square. Therefore, nobody could do anything to us. And the, the the old man says, "No, come in." And everybody knows that that I'll bring you in. That was the entire city. Young to old, it was so culturally ingrained in them. Not so here. Not everyone. Is there a hero in this story? The initial thought is that who is the hero in the story? The old man. But the old man is willing to throw his daughter and the Pelagish out. Doesn't make him much of a hero. Is there a hero? Let's take a look at. In the more Balota Shachar, as the crack of dawn comes, they they let her go. She has been abused all night long. And she falls at sun at, at, as the light is coming up, she falls at the entrance to the door. Where is he all night? Is he waiting for her? He's scared for his life, but is he staring out the crack in the window, seeing what what what's going on in the city? That word is so painful to read. He gets up in the morning. It means he went to sleep that night. He unlocks the door. He opens the door. What if the door wasn't locked? Maybe she could have gotten in. And he's ready to leave. And the, the woman is on the, the entrance of the door and her hands are at the saf, the, the entranceway to the door. You wonder so many things in the story. What if she wasn't there? It sounds like he would have left without her. You also wonder if he had been there when she had dropped, when she f- fell at the doorstep. Could he have brought her into the house? Could he have saved her? Is any of this possible? He says to her, Come on, get up, we gotta go. He throws her over the donkey. He goes back to his place. Did she die? Was she dead at this point? He calls her and she doesn't answer. Rashi says he doesn't answer. She doesn't answer Kineta. She's dead. But it doesn't actually say she died. It says that she's laying there at the doorstep. She can't answer. Perhaps the abuse from all night has taken everything out of her and she has no koach. She has no strength left to talk. She can't utter a sound. He throws her over the donkey and brings her home. He comes to his house and he takes a machelet. Machelet. 
This famous painting is Akedas Yitzchak. You can see the angel is grabbing Avram's hand and the knife falls out so that he can't slaughter his son. This is the picture that's on the cover of Covenant Conversation by Rabbi Sachs on the Beratius edition. Machelet, only one other time in all of Tanakh do we have the word Machelet. It's there. And a Machelet is meant to kill what? That which is alive. Is it possible that she's still alive? It is certainly a possibility. And he cuts her to the bone. He cuts bones and pieces. He sends a piece here, a piece there. The Shlemes are Nitachim. 12 pieces. FedEx delivers to the 12 Shvatim. Lamed. End of the Tarek. They said, we've never seen anything like this in our lives. This is appalling. This is disgusting. How could this be? Let's get together. We need to have a high council. All the Shvatim have to get together to decide what to do. Remember, there's no leader. What's going to be? The interesting thing is that he waits till he gets home to do this. Points out of Yigal Ariel. That means that this reaction is not spontaneous because of the grief. If he had done this in Giv'ah, one could argue that it's he's so grieved by what happened. But he's not. He's home. He's had time to think about this. Ravigal also points out he's a Kanai here. He does something so over the top. Perhaps by doing this, he feels better about himself because he realizes that he's actually the villain in this whole story. He's the one that gives her away. He's the one that causes her to leave in the first place. There is so much blame that is piled on to his account, more so than probably anybody else in the story, including people of Binyamin. The question that we asked earlier is, why does the father-in-law hold him? Why does the father-in-law insist that he spends another night? Is it possible that the father-in-law saw the true colors of his son-in-law? And says, I don't trust this man one bit. I refuse to allow my son in my son in law to take my daughter from my home. All of this is certainly a possibility. There's a lot going on here. The stone connection should tell us how deeply and morally corrupt Jewish people had sunk. They adopted the Kanani customs both in idolatry and now in sexual immorality. That's one. To Avram, it's a certain sense of Akeda here. This guy slaughters, but nobody stops him. He slaughters his wife. We've gone a really long way. And that is really, really sad. I wish I could tell you that the next two weeks are going to be better, but they're not. We are going to end up next week with the story of civil war. The tribe of Binyamin is going to be judged and it's going to be pretty, pretty horrific what's going to happen. (sighs) To be continued, we'll pick up next week. 
Thank you so much again for joining us and keep walking in the ways of the Prophet.